Welcome to the Enterprise Excellence Podcast, where our purpose is to help create a better future. Learn from our world's experts how to improve your organisation sustainably. Learn how to achieve and sustain an excellence journey for yourself, others and the planet. I'm your host, Brad Jennings, coming to you from Brisbane, Australia. Welcome to Episode 7 of the Enterprise Excellence Podcast. My guest, Robert Hafey, is one of the most genuine, purposeful people I've ever met. His area of expertise is transforming safety culture and improving the whole organisation simultaneously. Robert is the author of the award-winning books, Lean Safety and Lean Safety Gemba. Robert has dedicated his career to sharing knowledge and helping others to create a better future. Let's get into the episode. Bob Hafey, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. We really appreciate your time. You've helped me so much throughout my career and I've so loved all the books you've written. They're, they're amazing. Bob, I'm interested to know lean safety. You know, it's such an important aspect of respect for people. What originally got you into this field? What are some backstory elements that led you down this path? Well, my career was in manufacturing, so manufacturing operations. And the last company I worked at was called Flexco. And we started the continuous improvement journey. And the main effort initially was to develop high-performance work teams Mm. because the leaders of our business understood that we had to empower and engage our employees if we were really going to change our business. So one of the aspects of doing that was getting our employees to own safety. So it became their safety program and not management safety program. So we worked really hard at that. And so over the seven, eight years that we really worked to develop high-performance work teams, um, I really understood the value of empowerment and engagement and the necessity of doing that if you are going to become lean. Uh, You cannot become lean unless your people feel they're part of it and they're engaged in it. So I'm going to say about 12 years ago, I was at the AME conference, which is a large, the largest lean conference in the world. I had started doing lean Kaizen Blitz events at Flexco where I worked. And then I did a couple of them outside of our plant in plants that were part of our safety community. They were so wildly successful because we didn't focus on cycle time but we focused on reducing the risk of soft tissue injury. And the employees in those work cells immediately engaged because the focus was on them, making their job safer and easier. And so when I was at the Amy conference, I was telling a good friend, Cheryl Jekyll, who had just signed a contract yeah, to write, to write a book called Lean HR. And when I was telling her about the safety Kaizen, she says, you know, you should write a book about that. So, That was November and December. I'm going to the website for Productivity Press, and I'm pulling up the form, the call for authors form. And I completed it and sent it in. And like a month later, I get a contract sent back to me. It says, sounds like a good idea. So I guess what got me into it was the understanding that engaging people and building trust is the only way to get lean. And there's no easier way 
no easier entry point than safety to begin a dialogue about continuous improvement. It, it's such a key aspect of human respect, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Bob, can you remember some of the key moments that triggered you that, wow, this safety point is so important to people and it's a great way to get them continuously improving at the same time for their own health and safety and also to help the business and others? Yeah, and that's the point of lean safety. It's about making work safer and easier. And as soon as you do that, you take cycle time out of the work processes you're focusing on. So therefore, you get the benefits to lean, but you also get the engagement because the focus is on safety, making work safer and easier. So at Flexco, we had gone through our whole manufacturing floor and relayed out the whole plant to make things flow. Uh, and we moved equipment all over, set up high-performance. Well, we had high-performance work teams, so we set up work cells and staffed it with those high-performance work teams. So they owned their mini-business. They, they had their own metrics. They, they measured themselves. They reported out to me that rather than management telling them how they did. And in one of those work cells, we had some ergonomic issues because of repetitive tasks. And so even though we had already set it up into U-shaped cells and we had the product flowing, uh, we decided we were going to build a Kaizen team and go back in there. And we were going to look at everything again. And our goal was to reduce the risk of soft tissue injuries. So we formed a cross-functional team. And we went in and did that. And the people who worked there responded totally differently than they had in the past because now it was about their safety. So I've been consulting for 10 years now. I've been in many, many, many different types of plants. And everywhere I go, the result is exactly the same. People automatically engage when it's about them, their well-being. So pretty straightforward, simple stuff. I've seen it directly myself from work that you've done with me and events I've been at with you, Bob. So thank you. Yeah. Bob, what are some key aspects of advice you'd give to a leader or a team that are looking to bring into play Lean Safety Gamba? Well, I guess because current state safety uh, in every plant here in Australia is focused on compliance safety, and that's because they have to. You know, there's government regulations that define what they need to do. So when I say safety to leaders, that's what they're thinking. They don't associate safety generally with lean. Uh, lean is this operational thing that a group of people are doing, and safety is this compliance stuff that we have to do. And yeah. I guess when I talk to leaders, I always try and differentiate the difference between compliance safety and lean safety. And, and lean safety is not compliance safety. Lean safety is not behavior-based safety. We're not trying to change people's behaviors. What we're trying to do is go out and engage them in continuous improvement dialogue about making the work safer and easier. And if leaders do that, the trustometer automatically goes up. And, and lean is a trust-building journey. And so leaders, when they start the lean journey, have to find ways to earn trust because it isn't given, you know, you have to earn it. And everything management does, either it builds trust, tears trust down, there's no neutral. And so they really have to think about what they're going to do before they start lean. Don't just rush in with the tools. And I know at Flexco that was done. And that's why they went the high performance work team route because 
they knew we needed to engage and empower these people, give them ownership of their work cells, let them do their own planning, give them pull signal reports so they can take care of the customer. And they did all that, and, and I watched that work. So my foundational lean knowledge isn't based on consulting. It isn't based on reading books or going to lean seminars or conferences. It was living it at Flexco. And, mm -hmm. and we did it the right way because we focused on culture first. So that's what I share with leaders. It's really culture. So I mentioned Monday I'm going to visit a manufacturing plant. And, uh, and so one of my first questions is, you know, what are you trying to do here? Why, why are you doing lean? You know, that's always the question. And often what you get is, you know, we're trying to reduce our costs. And I go, well, I'm not sure I'm the right guy then because that's not the focus of lean. The focus of lean is reducing cycle time to customer. You know, it's all about customer. It's a customer-focused program. So, Which then gives you holistic gains, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Bob, the thing that really came through strongly for me when I was at one of your events years ago was that through a safety improvement, you can achieve multiple outcomes. You can gain productivity. You can right. gain uh, extra quality. Do you mind just explaining a scenario of that? It was when you explained to me once the scenario of that and how it can work that I really went, wow, yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. So if someone were to go on Lean Safety Gamble Walk with me, uh, Again, as a consultant, my role is not to see all the ideas for improvement. My goal is to teach people to see safety differently and see lean differently. So uh, if I take any leaders uh, to the Gemba on a lean safety Gemba walk, uh, I initially will point out some things. If I see someone bending over while they're working, putting things on pallets, I'll just say, what do you see there? And they see what they see every day, someone just working, and they don't, they don't take it into account or don't think it's an issue. But I'll quickly point out, well, that person has their back out of neutral. How many times a day do you think they have to do that? And then how do you think their back feels at the end of the day? And oh, by the way, let's walk up and ask them how their back feels at the end of the day. And when you do, they generally say, my back hurts every day, right? But nobody ever asked them that question. And so it's real foundational interaction, coaching style of management, humble inquiry. It's all of that. It's, it's teaching people to work with their people differently uh, because today leaders have to be coaches and they need a coaching style of management to be successful because telling doesn't work anymore, right? So I guess, so when I do that or when I do a workshop, I'll break the trainees into small groups. And on day two, they get sent to the Gamba, and their goal is to interact with people that are working. I always challenge them to come up with 20 opportunities for improvement, each small team. So if I got five teams, uh, we should have 100 opportunities for improvement that we're going to leave with the business when we depart, if it's a public workshop or there's outsiders. When I do them for internal clients, for one business, then you know, when we leave, they have a whole list of opportunities for improvement. And many of them are exactly the same opportunities that you would get if you went out and did a Kaizen Blitz with a stopwatch and we're looking for cycle time improvements. But 
we don't use a stopwatch because that's threatening to the employees. We just say, hey, we want to watch your work. Do you mind? We ask for permission to watch them work. And then we list all the opportunities we see for improvement. And so things like having to walk a lot. So if you do a spaghetti diagram during a traditional event, you would note they're walking a lot. And so we would note the same thing during a safety Kaizen. Uh, if they have to reach and bend for inventory, well, we would say it's a problem because they're out of neutral. Their back's out of neutral. Their arm's out of neutral. They're twisting. Their torso's out of neutral. They're bending over. Their back's out of neutral. Whereas a traditional Kaizen team might just say, well, they got to walk and get things, or they got to reach for things a long way, and it's taking cycle time. But we're not concerned about cycle time. We're only concerned about what's the impact on an individual because what happens in manufacturing and this is the difference between compliance safety. Compliance safety is trying to prevent injuries, and they're worried about someone getting hurt. I'm worried about people getting worn out because they work for a lot of years, and they get worn out. Yep. So when they retire, they're all hunched over, and their bodies are worn out, and they can't play with their grandkids, and they can't hear anymore because they worked in a noisy environment. And so, you know, if I could throw in a quick story, I definitely I worked – I worked with Turner Construction, largest construction management company in the U.S. And, and if you go to their website, they have a safety tab and click on it, and they have an acronym they use, which is L-I-F-E. So on every job site, they stress living injury-free every day. They have huddles, and they talk about it, and they're really focused on it, and they do a good job. But I was doing a training session in Manhattan, and I had about 60 people in a room in a hotel, and I says, that's not good enough because mine is LPFE. Mine is living painkiller free every day. As you know, many of your employees take two Advil before they go to work or after work, they drink, you know, six or eight light beers or a couple of good craft beers to ease the pain yeah. because you're wearing them out, right? So lean safety is really getting to the individual and helping them understand what's in it for me with this lean stuff. Because you say lean now in manufacturing plants, most people are running the other way because they've heard about it from their brother-in-law or somebody that it's about, you know, eliminating jobs. So lean's gotten a bit of a bad name in the world, and I'm here to change that because it's really about leaders to focus on their employees, make it safer and easier, show them what's in it for them, show them that you really care about them. So, you know... A term at AME is people-centric leadership. It's been around now for about probably six, seven, eight years already. And there's rarely a people-centric leader ahead of a corporation because corporations have stock and leaders are worried about stock values, their bonus. They're driven by money, not people. And so when you find a really people-centric leader, it's probably a privately held business. Uh, but they are really unique leaders, and their culture in their businesses is really unique. Yeah, I've met a few of them. They're they're amazing, yeah. amazing yeah. people. Bob, you've really helped so many throughout your career, and you've been a mentor to so many people, including myself. Who was a mentor to you? Who really helped you through your journey, and why were they so important to you? Well, at Flexco, and again, I worked there for 23 years. And when I left, I was, I was director of manufacturing, then director of lean operations for the last couple of years. And when we were going through the lean journey, and well, the word lean wasn't even, 
used yet when we started our journey. We just called it uh, continuous improvement. The COO at the time, his name was Jerry Paulson, an introverted guy, had a degree in finance, worked in finance and accounting. Uh, but then he became COO and he had to get involved in a bunch of other stuff. And about that time, the leadership team, uh, the CEO, COO, and the uh, vice presidents at that time, they all went to an AME conference in Boston. And back then, AME hadn't been going for that many years, but the focus was on, on teams, high-performance work teams. And he really got switched onto that. A couple of them did. And they decided that's the route Flexco was going to take to start their continuous improvement journey. And so he came back, and they announced it. And uh, he used the word dinosaur to describe some older supervisors and said, you need to change. And people were upset. Uh, but he said, I'm going to coach the first high-performance work team. And he moved from the office upstairs with the paneled walls and the leather furniture. And he got one of those old gray metal desks. And he put it in the middle of the shipping department. And he had maintenance drill holes in the concrete. And they built a fence around his desk made out of pipe and painted it yellow. So a forklift went run over our COO. And he lived there for the next six, eight years until he became CEO. And then he moved his desk to a different location on the shop floor. But he lived leadership. It was very clear that we were going to high-performance work teams because he coached the shipping team, which was the first team. And so he taught me a lot about people, respect for people. I innately always worked that way. That was my way of dealing with people and supervising people. I knew my success was through them. And so he also was a leader, believe that. And so he steered the company that way. And so I was very fortunate to work under someone like that and be on a lean journey with a leader like that. So he is certainly one of my mentors. And uh, he retired a few years before I did, uh, but he's still kicking and doing great. And uh, so thanks for asking about Jerry Paulson. Wow, that's impressive, Bob. So many elements of that tale that you spoke about, about Jerry. Just amazing practice. Yeah, that's right. Whenever we had someone visiting Flexco and they wanted a tour of the plant, I'd always take them to meet Jerry. <laughs> Introduce our C COO or, or CEO, and he'd be in a desk out in the middle of the noisy factory. <laughs> Earplugs in, working on his computer. Yeah. That's respect for people. Isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Bob? On that topic, what advice would you give to a new leader just starting out or a young person looking to get into a business improvement role, you know, safety or environment or continuous improvement? Yeah, do it with them, not to them, which means, you know, go out and engage the people who do the work. You don't have to have the ideas. You have to have the skill set to get others to give their ideas and then help them implement them. So it's really about using everybody's brain in your business and engaging them all and making them feel good about themselves. Your reward for that is watching them grow. That's really the reward for all lean leaders is watching people grow. And uh, I had so much of that in my career, and I'm still having it consulting, but watching people grow, that's, that's the joy. 
I always ask people, do you have kids? Yeah. You know, tell me about, you know, they rode a bike or they, they play baseball. Yeah. Or they play AFL or rugby or whatever. You know, when they got that first cross to goal line with the ball, how'd you feel as a parent? You know, pretty good. You know, why don't you feel that way about your people at work? What are you doing to challenge them? Well, how are you growing them? So that's, that's what I do with young supervisors and people. I try to guide them to focus on the engagement piece with their people. It's not telling them what to do anymore. I have a slide in my deck that compares that old style of supervision with the new process-focused leadership style. Focus on the process, engage your people in it, improve it. That's kind of it. Thanks, Bob. I'm sure people gain a lot of knowledge and insight from that. Bob, going forward, what are you focused on now? What what does the next few years hold for Bob Hafey? Well, you know, this COVID-19 thing, 19 thing has uh, impacted all of us. And uh, so, you know, I've traveled the world in the last 10 years and done a lot of work in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, and it's been fun. I've I've really enjoyed getting around the world and impacting people in the Ukraine and China and all over the place. It's just been really fun. So that's on hold right now. So a new challenge for me is how am I going to do this virtually? I had a conversation with another consultant uh, last week. He's out in the L.A. area. And uh, he he has to work and I'm a retired guy and I do this because I want to make a difference in the world and I want to stay engaged and active. Uh, but he has to work. He has young kids and a mortgage. And he said right now things are better than they ever were. He has made the transition to virtual and he really excited me by having this conversation with him. And so uh, I'm going to be calling a lady from AME tomorrow because their conference their annual conference that was going to be in Toronto late October, early November was canceled, but now it's going to be a virtual conference. I was supposed to do a lean safety workshop on Monday. And so I was told I could do it virtually conference week or I could do it before the conference. I'm going to elect to do it before because I'm going to use AMI resources to help me get set up on Zoom because I haven't experimented with breakout rooms and polling. I've watched some videos on it. Uh, but I need to do it, and I need to do it multiple times to get comfortable with it. So before the end of the year, I will be doing that because then I can consult with people anywhere in the world, and that's my intent, and it's going to be virtual because everything I do face-to-face -face can be done virtually. And Because if I look at my workshop, I do, and I don't want to talk too much because nobody wants to listen to me talk all day, so I send people to the flip chart, and they do exercises. They do report out. So with Zoom, you can do the breakout rooms and do exactly the same thing. Uh, I use Post-it notes to have people respond, and then I put them on walls. Well, I can do polling in Zoom to do that. Um, I can give them assignments, and, and we don't have to be face-to-face -face for eight hours. We can have two hours of training, and they can have assignments, and then they can huddle in their facility, and then I can get back on with them a week later. And they can report out on their activities. So I've really enjoyed the time off in the break. But now I've mentally made, I flipped. I see the value in doing it online. And so that's what I'm going to be doing in addition to all the million other interests that I have. But as far as lean and lean training, that's going to be my direction. If I have a chance to do something local, 
like next week. I'm going to be wearing an N95 mask, and I have some of those. And I'll do a walkthrough, socially distanced. I'm not going to go in any meeting rooms with a bunch of people, you know, because I am not going to get sick. And I shouldn't say that's my, my intent is to not get sick. Um, but virtual is the way to go until we have vaccines and it's safe again. That's what I'm going to be doing because I still want to change the world. I still want to make a difference in people's lives. I want to stay engaged and active. And so virtual is the way to still do that. Well, that's amazing, Bob. Like out of something so terrible like COVID, there is some silver linings. The fact that now people all over the world can link with Bob Hafey and gain your insights and knowledge. Yeah. You're instantaneously using geoconferencing. It's amazing. That's right. Yeah. And you can come to them from your beautiful part of the world. That's right. <laughs> if you consider this part of the world beautiful, yeah. Not as beautiful as Brisbane, but you know. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> Bob, what in the, over the last period of time, what have you learned that you didn't know before? What are some insights you've had? You know, I guess reinforcement of the fact that people are so important, no matter who they are. I, that's why, and I want to talk about politics in your podcast, but, but if people do not show respect for people, then that just drives me crazy. And so because my whole being, who I am and the work I've done, is all about respect for people. And so, you know, the Toyota production system and the three pillars of lean, all the businesses that have tried lean have failed because they thought lean was about the tools and cost savings. And they failed to focus on that all-important pillar of respect for people. And so lean safety gives you that opportunity to do that. And so I guess what I've learned from all the clients I've had in the last 10 years is that the clients that are serious about lean are serious about engaging and respecting their people. And the clients I've worked with that, you know, I go in and I do a two-day workshop and they think it was good, but then it dies in the vine. Well, they weren't serious about their people. And I can tell you when I go in and I go in for the first time to meet them, and even if I travel, I try and get in the afternoon before I work to do the workshop, to meet with them and take them out to the Gemba. And I explain exactly what I do and why I'm doing it. Uh, but sometimes it fails to get the leader's attention. So what I've learned is that the key to success has always been through leadership. It's really about leadership. And uh, if leadership understands the value of their people and truthfully engages them or asks their reports, the senior leaders to engage them and hold some accountable to do that, then the business is going to have some lean success. And there's always these, you know, lean fails more than it's successful. And you hear these percentages throwing around. Well, there's always some gains and some wins with lean. Uh, and I don't know that there's ever, you know, there's never a, you know, we're lean. That's the lean journey, as everybody says. And I truly believe that after being involved in it for many years. Because leadership changes. And as soon as it does, new leader has, uh, and he wants to steer the ship a little differently. and and so. Lean might fade away, but then it'll come back. So continuous improvement is always going to be there. It's always been there, actually. Lean was just a new term that was given to continuous improvement. And there'll be some new terms. And you know, I wrote a book and called it Lean Safety. 
And I was first to market, so I was the thought leader because no one else had put those two together. And yet, they were always tied together. Lean focused on engagement. Safety didn't because it was a compliance program. It was top-down directive from OSHA to leadership to the people. Behave, we're going to police you. And so it was unempowering. It was policing people. And so the safety professionals are locked in that way of thinking. So when I come in and say, no, you don't have to do that, you can engage people in safety improvement by doing this, this, and this. And you could be seen as different. You won't be a policeman or a policewoman. You're going to be their ally. You're going to be another peer. So, Because for most safety or quality leaders who are being policemen that I meet, they don't like it. They don't actually no, they enjoy don't. the disconnection they've got. They don't enjoy the angst that they hear back from people. You're absolutely right. Uh, there, I've run into some real hard-head safety leadership people. And I often find they came out of the military. I don't know why, but a lot of people come out of the military and end up going into safety. And, and some of those people are still, you know, we have to discipline people. If we don't discipline them, they won't think safety serious. You know, and I know in Australia, regular, you know, based on regulations, you cannot discipline people for safety infractions. In the U.S., you still can and people still do. And that just kills trust. It just kills trust. But you're right. Most safety leaders today do not want to get into that role. They want to work with people. They want to help people. They want to be seen as a resource, like every other manager of any other function. But oftentimes they get forced into this policing role, you know, because someone will come up and say, hey, Joe doesn't have his safety glasses on. Because the culture is, well, safety managers got to tell that person to behave. Versus at Flexco, we worked really hard, so our employees would just go and tell each other, hey, get your safety glasses on, right? Because you own safety. It's your safety program. You tell them, right? So that's the difference. So, you know, if you're changing your business because you want to be on the lean journey, you're trying to change your safety culture, it's no different. It's a culture change journey. It's a building trust journey. It's the same journey. It requires management to do the same things. So that's why they're inextricably linked. You can't pull them apart, right? Bob, I think there's the next book for you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's say, you know, I'm, I'm repeating a lot of the phrases I use in my workshop uh, because it's all, it's burned in. I've been doing it for 10 years now, yeah. right? So, so, yeah. Bob, how can people reach out to you? How can people find your books? Well, my book's available on Amazon. Or you could go to productivitypress.com and you can buy the book either of those locations. Um, To reach out to me, my email address is rbhafey at gmail.com. I do have a a website that hasn't been updated in a bunch of years, but it's still out there. And it's called leansafetybook.com. And I had to do that because someone else already had gotten to lean safety before I did. Uh, so there is a website. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm there. There's a lean safety group on LinkedIn that I started many years ago. So you can connect with me many different ways or just do a a Google search on lean safety, Robert Hafey, and it'll get you to me. So, um, 
a lot of ways today to find people, isn't there? <laughs> with the internet. There is. So, well, Bob, good luck with your journey down the virtual world. I yeah. It's going to be amazing for everyone, being able to gain more knowledge and insight from you more easily. And thank you yeah. so much for everything you've done so far. And thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. It's been insightful. Well, thanks. And Brad, thank you so much for having me on today. Uh, I really love talking about what I do because, as you can tell, I hope you can tell, it's a passion for me. You know, again, I don't have to work, but I work because I want to work. I want to change the world. And I always tell people I can't change the whole world because it's a mess. And I used to say that before COVID. <laughs> yeah. So it's really a mess now. But I can still change a piece of the world, and that's how people think about safety. And that's my intent, is to keep doing that. So thanks again for having me on. Uh, all the best on your journey uh, with Agile Sales. And it's a, it's a needed thing because talk about something that's been impacted by COVID. Wow. Yeah. Big, big changes. So. Yeah, sales has been disrupted terribly. So I'm, I'm yeah. passionate like you, Bob. Help yeah. change the world one piece at a time. That's all we can That's do. That's right. Okay. Thanks All so the much, best. Bob.